This episode of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at Text Control. They're not only the creator of the fully featured document editor library for .NET and Angular applications, but their libraries also support powerful PDF functionality. Instead of programming PDF documents, you can simply use Microsoft Word templates and merge them with data to create pixel-perfect PDF and PDF-slash-A documents. Also, fillable form elements like form text boxes, checkbox fields, and drop-down elements can easily be added to PDF files. TX Text Control provides developers the complete solution to handle PDF documents in business processes. Check them out at textcontrol.com. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And this is going to be a fun show for me. Georgia Nelson is here. We'll be talking with her in just a few minutes. Uh, talk about migrating WinForms apps to Blazor. Can you believe it? Yep. All the Blazor things. All the Blazor things. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of Blazor lately. And every time we do a Blazor show, I'm going to plug Blazor Train. Um, for obvious reasons. It's yeah. a great show, man. It is a great show, yeah. It's uh, sort of like DNR TV meets uh, Amtrak. <laughs> well, you do you do like your visual metaphors. Now, I have you? a few gags up my sleeve, yeah. mm -hmm. but uh, that's not what I'm going to share today. Today's uh, better known framework is also a blazer thing, but it's it's going to knock your socks off. All right, roll the music. <laughs> All right, dude, what do you got? All right, what I got is a Blazor version of Galga. The video game? The video game Galga. Okay. Which started, which was an offshoot of Galaxian, I think. Yeah, uh, Galaga? Yeah, yeah Galaga. The, the little bugs that try to kill you and you shoot them, right? It's right, a, and it all came scroller. from Space Invaders. But if you go to 1717.pwop.me... That brings you to github.com slash blazer guy slash blazer galaga. Mm -hmm. And uh, what can I say? Just <laughs> look at the screenshots. It's a, a recreation it like a game. of yeah. Galaga written in C sharp using the blazer spa framework and .NET Core. And uh, oh, I see blazer uh, extensions canvas library. Because, of course, I, whenever yeah. I look at this running in a browser, I'm thinking right away HTML canvas, right? Like, yeah that you want to be able to move sprites around pretty easily. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And, you know, all of these things were sort of pixel-based, right? Yeah. And you can do pixel-based uh, stuff in HTML. You know, you can use absolute positioning with CSS. And, uh, you know, you, you don't necessarily need a canvas to move elements around, but certainly the Blazor Extensions Canvas Library lets you do graphics. But I just want to point out that, this isn't an emulation or virtual machine. So, this isn't like MAME for Blazor. Right. It's a complete re-implementation of the game from the ground up. So, what you're telling me is somebody with too much time on their hands. Totally with too much time <laughs> on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> and a love of, of 80s video games, which yep. I, I, I appreciate the love, but I don't have that much time on my hands. <laughs> I think I'm going to get this guy uh, to talk about the Canvas library on Blazer Guy. Blazer Train. Yeah, Blazer Guy. It's a good name. Yep. Awesome. That's cool, man. That's what I got. Love <laughs> it. Learn it, love it, and knock yourself out, and I'm sorry for wasting your time. 
or enabling you to waste your time oh you know speaking of time wasters you know what caught me the other day again what's that universal paperclip what i didn't even want to tell you to look for it but universal paperclip will steal six hours from you like that not that i want or i can even afford 10 minutes of wasted time today but but basically imagine a, a a almost like wind forms looking kind of game of you operating a machine that makes paper makes and sells paper clips just only oh my god decisionproblem.com slash paper that's it don't do it man don't do it because it does literally end with you consuming the universe with paper clips what do you just keep pressing buttons something like that no eventually you're converting whole planets into Paper all right never mind uh, yeah, stop, stop 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 i'm stopping in, right you're, now you talk about addictive games <laughs> like this is just one of those things okay anyway that's what i got today who's talking to awesome. us richard grab the comment off a show 1517 which is holy man like uh two and a half years ago now february of 2018 when we talked to dan roth and steve sanderson mm-hmm. about blazer because we've you know this conversation's been evolving and needless to say now that we're after the shipping of dotnet 5 like Blazer's in a pretty good place right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this comment comes from uh, Venta. Venta Jew, actually, who says, six years ago. Now, here's the fun part. He's saying six years ago, three years ago. <laughs> so, that would be like, Nine in 2011, ago. his dream was Blazer. He dreamed of Blazer. A byte code for the web so I could write web apps in my favorite language and not be forced to use JavaScript with all of its oddities and terrible performance. And, of course, at that time, in 2011, you know, this is before HTML5 is very super stable in those battles. Browsers are slow and glitchy. Front-end frameworks sucked, okay? Didn't hold any punches there. And there was minimal tooling. Mm-hmm. In fact, for a while, I used a tool called Script Sharp. Remember Script Sharp? I do. Yeah. That was you know, Glenn that, Block? Glenn was talking about that. We had a few of the guys that were working on it. And remember, that was the one that had to sort of sideload Rosalind before it was fully licensed. Right. You know, that was figured out. Because uh, it was a hobby project from Microsoft developer that transpiled C-sharp into JavaScript. And how I wish that Microsoft would have gotten behind that project rather than have it slowly die off. Yep. And a friend of mine even wrote his own C-sharp to JavaScript transpiler using one of the first Rosalind CTPs. Uh, and that was great. And we were actually planning to use the Razor engine. And I even started to learn about Visual Studio extensibility and write a project system. We had our own JavaScript packaged as resources into DLLs and bundled with the app on the fly. And then Microsoft announced TypeScript. And I took that as a betrayal. Why would Microsoft ditch C-sharp and all of its tooling for some new language? And I didn't touch it for a long time. Fast forward to today. And again, remember that today is now three years ago, Mm -hmm. right? 2017, 2018. And I use TypeScript every day. The type system is amazingly flexible. And between that and JavaScript's evolution, it makes it quite a decent development ecosystem. Tooling is greatly improved. In fact, you can use something like Angular CLI, and it's just turnkey as Visual Studio's project and item templates. Web browsers are a lot faster to the point where web apps don't have to suck unless you suck at writing them. (laughs) (laughs) And Visual Studio Code is a great editor, less bloated, and more streamlined than Visual Studio. And I can use it on all the platforms. Now we get to the point. Right? He's then just taking us on a tour, man, like of all of his views. At this juncture, Blazor solves a problem I don't even need solved anymore. I think it's cool that it, can be, that it exists now, and I'll even give it a shot. I think Wasm has a lot of potential and may power the next wave of web frameworks. But honestly, 
Now I'd adopt TypeScript to WASM compiler sooner than a C sharp to WASM compiler, hmm. which I find fascinating because yeah. TypeScript makes JavaScript, which already runs in the WASM compiler, that is the JavaScript compiler. Right. So I don't know what if you, I think you're already doing that actually, Venta. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no matter, uh, well, no matter what, you're going to end up doing some JavaScript, but. I, I just I think the benefit of Blazor is just the component model makes you so yeah. damn productive. Yeah, that's what it's all about for me. And I think the the show we're doing today, taking WinForms into Blazor, takes is about an even larger issue, which is folks that are still sort of in that place with applications that that, that Venta was six years ago, mm-hmm. nine years ago, where he was wanting to take existing code and move it and, and working with existing skills and wants to utilize them. I and that's really what this opens the door to. So, you know, different people in different places, clearly he's now retooled yeah. into the, the TypeScript JavaScript land. And that's great. Lots of people have, it's a, it's a productive way to go, mm. um, but there are others and there are other projects and there are other ways to solve this. So it may not have been at the right time for him, but it's certainly the right time for many others. So, yeah. Venta, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. Sorry, I was playing Galaga. <laughs> Don't think that's true, but okay. <laughs> and definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet and watch out for falling bombs. <laughs> I really was playing Galaga. Okay, I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> At least you weren't playing Universal Paperclip. No. Because that's all that is. No. All right, let's introduce our guest today, Georgia Nelson. She is a veteran engineer of 19 years, 18 of which have been in games. Nice. She's worked on games such as Dark Age of Camelot, Warhammer Age of Reckoning, Madden, and World of Tanks. Hmm, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Her engineering expertise lies in client-server technologies. Welcome, Georgia. Hi, thank you. I'm sorry that I missed your .NET Conf talk, but um, <laughs> but it seems to have generated quite a lot of tweets. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, it was it was in the evening, so that tends to be an odd time. Yeah, yeah. Now, how does a nice game developer like you end up messing around with Blazor? That one of these things definitely does not seem like the others. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, at my company, we actually have a need to create interactive dashboards and uh, and also a need to avoid JavaScript as much as humanly possible. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but moreover, it, it's in, in games, it's very fast paced, uh, it's oftentimes reactionary based on the needs of the individuals that are working on the product Mm -hmm. at that time and so uh oftentimes uh, you know we're only given you know a week or two heads up on something that needs to be done yesterday right um so having a uh a a language or a library that would allow us to do c-sharp top to bottom was a really big draw. Hmm. Um, so I started dabbling in Bla- Blazor specifically to teach it to myself um, off work hours so that I could um, evangelize it at the office and provide proof concept. Um, and I thought, well, what better way of doing this than to completely overhaul the bot that I had written for Twitch? 
Um, it's a bot that I wrote probably five, yeah, about five years ago at this point. I was asked to write it very quickly and I got very drunk <laughs> and I wrote it in Java. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Wait, oh, is that yes. because you well, were drunk? It or, gets better. Or, or the other way around? <laughs> well, I had to get drunk in order to put in Java. <laughs> so there's that. So. I I wrote it. Uh, so the premise of the bot is basically it listens to Twitch events, and back then it was just chat mm-hmm. right. uh, for commands, and then it plays an animation, and you can capture that window, which was green, so you could key it out in your broadcaster software. Right. Um, so it just it, it it made sense at the time. I can just quickly slap this together, have a big green window, and show an image. Um, and then things started to get more complex. People actually started using it. <laughs> um, they wanted the ability to have MP4 files and right. um, MP3 and all that. And I was like, well, f- ugh, I need to rewrite it. So I rewrote it again in C sharp this time. Um, and that was because the current job that I have, um, I was interviewing for, but I didn't know C sharp. I come from a C plus plus background. Yeah. Uh, which means that a lot of the patterns I was using were very, very native. The way I was writing C sharp was in a very native manner and overly complex. Hmm. Um, like I'm going to write a thread pull, even though I don't really need to do that because it's in the library. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I went with WinForms with, but, and then I started learning WPF. And so there was a little bit of WPF and basically, as of, uh, I guess, April of this year, I realized that the application had grown to a point where it was absolute spaghetti. Mm-hmm. It was like rancid spaghetti. <laughs> so, it, 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 I mean, and, and I, because I tried to add a feature and it broke everything. Nice. And it, it, it was just horrific. So, but the, the big crux of writing a bot like that and, and the, big reason I need to push for something like Blazor is because the API that Twitch provides for a lot of their uh, connectivity and event handling is all web-driven. Mm. And so in order to tackle that from the WinForms and WPF end of things as a desktop application, I had to write a web server. Wow. <laughs> inside the application how, how do you end up in that situation i've like, had to do that the correct answer is write a web server like that it just it had so many hacks in it to make it work with their api mm-hmm. because i i couldn't do things in a web manner like there's there's you know just a web way of doing things um, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's just different, a different approach to solving the problem mm-hmm. because the workflow is different right. for the end user specifically. Um, especially like uh, authorization, like OAuth2 patterns. I couldn't do that in the desktop application. You know, I, I basically, uh, had to send people to a website, say, great, at the end of authorizing this with Twitch, you're going to get a long code. And I need you to copy and paste that back to the application. And it led to user error, lots of user errors. Um, You know, people weren't using the right accounts. um, And they weren't putting things in the right fields, or they cut off one of the letters and the giant OAuth key. Uh, Just ended up being a nightmare. 
Um, but the other big problem is that the bot allows people to, to play animations that are several megabytes in size. There's, there's one individual who has a 500 plus megabyte MP4 file <laughs> that he plays when he, when he takes uh, charity donations. Wow. Um, and it's, that's not necessarily something I could stream from a web server. Um, so it needed to run locally. Right. Um, people need to run this as local host. Yeah. Yeah. What I have found with moving the application to Blazor is now I can very easily edit the front end of it. I, I don't know why it's just, it's so much faster yep. to me to iterate on the web version of the bot now, as opposed to in WinForms or WPF where I had to resize windows to add a new field um, or, you know, move, move whole chunks of things around. Um, and I never used the WYSIWYG editor for XAML. Uh, I always had to hand edit because that way lies madness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's be clear. The WYSIWYG for XAML ain't WYSI or WYG. <laughs> yeah, no. No, it is not. That's unfortunate. But right. uh, it, it reminds me of Dreamweaver way back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That is a great comparison. It's like, I'm just going to insert some weird XAML in the middle of this. <laughs> you don't need it. It's just there. Just, right. <laughs> yeah. So... Really, like now I can create these wizards for people to run through setup, um, to create their first animation command, uh, to uh, know what the bot settings are that they are editing. Uh, at, when a new user installs the application, it courtesy launches the browser to the dashboard and detects that they don't actually have an account set up yet with the bot and walks them through. I have had no instances of people having trouble setting up the right. bot since releasing the new version. Nice. And just that alone was great. But the other thing is like now it's just inherent uh, with the APIs that I have access to now, I can very easily do the things I need to do to call on Twitch and get the information from their services and then present it to the user. Um, I also feel like the UI is a lot more intuitive now. Um, and a lot of this can be lessons learned as well from, you know, trying the desktop application way. I'm sure there are better ways of doing it. Um, I just didn't feel compelled to keep pushing in that direction since the backing API of the service I was trying to create a bot for was all web. Yeah. Um, but so far, people love the application. Um, I know you mentioned earlier something about a Canvas library. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely want to look into that because I, I want to make more interactive games as part of this bot. Um, the bot has helped not only to drive interactions with Twitch streamers uh, broadcast, and, and not only to help monetize their broadcast, but it's also helped propel charity. Um, I'm a St. Jude Children's Research Hospital ambassador. Um, and so what that means is, you know, I've been invited out to the campus. Um, I've toured the hospital and I do whatever I can to um, spread the word about St. Jude mm. and the, um, you know, the, the, the charity itself and how the hospital functions. Um, and a huge number of streamers used GiftBot to help 
push those initiatives back in May. And it was really something cool to see. One, one individual raised over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Wow indeed. Um and and it's just it 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 just gives me so much joy yeah, no to kidding. see that that something that I've written has has helped with with that. Well and give away to boot, right? Like yeah. I was yeah. thinking about, for, for, you know, you're building out this client to make it easier for people to install and configure it. Then I, and I'm thinking in terms of so you get fewer complaints and issues, but it's like, hey, it's free software. Figure <laughs> it out. But at the same time, more people, more successful, more impact on Twitch streams and, and potentially things like this, like fundraising. So, you know, yeah, you, exactly. You, every so often you get these moments where it's like, hey, I think my software might be saving lives. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's it's definitely a surreal moment. Yeah, no doubt. Very, very powerful. We forget. Forget how much power we have here and the things that we, mm. the how we impact things. And the thing is, the, the underlying code and what it does is not terribly complex. No. The thing is that it, since it's, it's installed locally, people can go hog wild with the kinds of things that they play. Right. Um, I just, I still can't imagine trying to stream down, uh, you know, six, 700 meg video. Yeah, I don't know if that's actually a good choice, but you know, most great software enables creativity in others, right? Allows other, you didn't invent all the weird things these people did. You gave them a tool so the weird things they wanted to do showed up. And that, yeah, that's really I'm powerful. a weird enabler. Yes. You are a weirdness enabler. Well done. <laughs> we all use a little more weird in the world. So the Blazor side of this is strictly the configuration aspects, like the the on a stream. There's no Blazor running. Actually, there is. Is there really? There's yeah. They web. They have to. Um, if you're familiar with uh, Open Broadcaster software, mm -hmm, it's yep. it's OBS. Um, you can have a browser source, um, and so what they do is they capture a an HTML page. And what that HTML page does is it constantly pings the back end using a course request and it will then push itself once it detects that the service is up and running again, because it's chicken and egg problem, right? right. You could start OBS before the bot. Um, so then it goes to a razor page and that actually does, has all of the, the display for the animations or the stickers and the goal bar and all the features. So the front end for the features that get broadcast are on Blazor pages. Um, and then the dashboard itself actually has the log, it has um, a tree of all of the animations by category so that you can just say if you want to play them right then and there. Um, and it has access to all of the configurations for each of the different features. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Powerful stuff. And, and so then it's basically their dashboard for utilizing and, and tweaking during a stream. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this, this is amazing stuff. So I, I just want to reiterate, this was originally a Windows Forms application, right? Ooh, originally, originally Java Swing. Java Swing. <laughs> but again, I made poor choices. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yes, then WinForms. Um, and then I figured out WPF was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. You and I started to convert it over to WPF. Most of the windows were converted over by the time uh, I wrapped up that iteration of it in April. So, what from the Windows Forms project, uh, specifically UI, made it over to Blazor? 
So only the concept of uh, and the layout of of what I wanted the editors to look like would transfer right. over more or less to give my my users who have had this application for three or four years um, some familiarity. Um, basically, I started to pull out business logic mm. um, and moving that into libraries so that the only thing I had to do was swap out the UI. Yeah. And then uh, basically the underlying bot functionality and data management and the actual formatting of the data, I could pull into the next application because it was all C sharp. Right. And not only that, I had actually in the prior year converted it to .NET Core. So it could all run with ASP.NET Core. Yeah, that's awesome. So... Uh, I know we're about to take a break, but I'm going to bring up a new topic anyway. If you had, uh, you know, uh, we talked about pixel-based, um, you know, web stuff, which isn't really done anymore because, you know, you want browsers to resize and you want things to move around and them to be reactive and all that stuff. So, the whole idea of pixel-based programming, uh, UI programming, died with Windows Forms, you know. But mm. if you had a, a pixel-based framework for doing windows forms kind of programming like you know set a, a a controls location size back color font size font bold you know maybe drop shadow properties like all the stuff that we used to do in windows forms that was pixel based and you could do that in blazer that'd be something right i don't know honestly i i, I wouldn't be able to speak to that if if that would be useful or not i mean from my perspective, I can do all of those things with CSS. Sure you can, yeah. But if you're a Windows, if you're somebody who's used to that Windows Forms level of productivity, you know, and coming into the world of CSS, you're kind of like, ah! <laughs> right? I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, CSS is like that in yeah, general. Right. <laughs> I mean, forget about the global... I don't like CSS. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, one of the big problems with CSS, and Blazor's addressed this in .NET 5, but it's all global, like... You know, if you, you can have right. namespace clashes and class name clashes and, you know, and JavaScript has the same problem. I love the way that Blazor 5, .NET 5 Blazor, addressed this with, uh, you know, having any component just have its own private kind of uh, uh, JavaScript files and CSS files that are only for that component. I love that. Scoped right. CSS. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I brought that question up is because uh, I'm about to release a GitHub project where I've done just that. I've got a, a a control class, which is a component, and a label class. And essentially, you can use those in Blazor to do sort of pixel-based stuff. And the way that it works is with a great big style string. And as you set properties... You know, you're, you're changing these properties and then it, when it renders, it's rendering the style of this div with all of those little pieces. So it's a lot of string handling, but it works really, really well. So I, th I think this nice. is going to be fun for um, people who remember the productivity days of Windows Forms and the sort of the constraints of being pixel based that uh, we used to enjoy that made us productive. So, you know, the downside of it is that you, you, you have uh, – that it's pixel-based in a browser. I guess that's the downside. 
But you well, know, I, I would th- I would think the biggest issue is when you land on a um, smartphone. Yeah, and like, and I'm thinking that this isn't probably a a good idea to do on a smartphone. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, guys, hold that thought for just one minute while we take a moment for this very important message. Hey, Carl here with a very special offer for music to code by. You can now get the whole 20 track collection for $19.99 while electrons last. Go to my new store at pwop.e-junkie.com. That's P-W-O-P dot E-junkie.com. And get it now before I change my mind. All right, we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. That's my friend Richard Campbell. And that's Georgia Nelson, and she's talking about her project that started in Java Swing and went to Windows Forms, went to WPF, and finally moved to Blazor, and uh, and how much we love Blazor. <laughs> right. Chris, now, now it sounds like I can't land on a technology. <laughs> the, the Java thing was really just a bad stem, you know, like a goth phase in high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the Java years. Uh. Uh, <laughs> but I remember when Java first came out, and I was uh, I was in high school, and I mean, I hung I hung out with college kids, and they were like, they were talking in the car about about Java and what everybody thought about it, and I thought they were talking about coffee. <laughs> hmm? Yeah, yeah. All right, easy easy mistake to make. But, right. Uh. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> but I also think your viewpoint on the client side that this is not being deployed out anywhere, like everybody's running it locally and so forth. So you just want sort of the low friction client. Like I see how you landed on WinForms. And then you realize yeah. it's sort of stuck. It's an older technology, although now it's moving on with .NET 5, but that's a that's still a rebuild. So you experiment with WPF and then it's like, oh man, that's that's really something. <laughs> <laughs> WPF is a lot. Yeah. Well, it was more like it felt like since it was going to be installed, it needed to be a desktop application. Right. But the other thing that hindered me from wanting to do anything um, web-based and to run it locally was the fact that I don't believe it could run into a run in a container before. Um, I mean, mind you, this was about four years ago when I chose the technical direction to take with the application after the Java stent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, is web, it, it felt like you needed to learn a tech stack as long as a CVS receipt yeah. in order to pick <laughs> up everything <laughs> just to make a website. I know CVS, that's such a great joke because you, you get like, you know, some Advil, a bottle of Advil and their receipts like five months long. It's like, yeah, basically, you know, and it, it was really, it was really like that. Like, I actually asked my colleagues, um, you know, from previous employment, you know, because we don't really do a lot of web where I'm at now, um, aside from the new initiatives I'm driving with Blazor. But, uh, you know, they would be, every answer was different. Mm, right. Everyone's like, oh, well, go with Ruby or 
you know, the old people are like PHP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, or st- straight up like what does no JS stuff and oh, and here's 20 other frameworks you need to learn. And it was just super confusing and, and daunting. And so I really like that I can come into this and be like, great. It's C sharp. I'm, I got this. Yeah, you're there. <laughs> I don't need five million things that I need to learn just to make a right. web page. Um, and, and that, and I feel like the pattern of development is still very similar to the way that I would do WPF applications. Um, I mean, it's XAML to, to HTML, but the, the way that the binding is done, the, I mean, my workflow Right, not the under the hood stuff. I know that's different, but um, the the act of like I'm creating a text box and I'm going to bind data to it, and it's two way binding is pretty much identical. Mm. Um, so it didn't take a lot to move from one to the other. I think the the biggest hurdle to move over was to understand um, hubs, controllers, mm. um, you know, SignalR in general, and and understanding web but once it finally clicked i realized it's no different than any other client server applications that i i've ever written now but it's not like blazer comes with a designer either like this is not the WinForms designer and neither was wpf like it, it right it has a designer that can fool you into doing things but <sighs> so what was your pattern for building the ui like you're just writing the code <laughs> and looking at it i imagine yeah, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish that there was the ability to hot reload something other than the CSS. Yeah. Um, you know, it, that part is kind of crappy. Um, but basically, I would write in the razor file, compile and relaunch. Right. Over and over and over. Tweak things, compile, relaunch. Uh, it, it, that is a slog. If I could give it one criticism, that would be it. An, a sort of edit and continue on the UI side. That you could make right. tweaks and they just re-renders. That would be awesome. Correct. It's these early days, but I'd tell you a lot of press in F5. <laughs> <sighs> but, you know, that, you, it's funny because, you, 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 you know, I'm talking to the, the folks with the internal apps that have tons of WinForm apps. And the prospect of, re, you know, they, they're doing the count. It's like I have 300 screens to re-engineer. And it, 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 there's no cut and paste in here. Like, that's just, you take each screen as exactly as you described it, Georgia. You're going to remake yeah. them re, and presumably rethink them a little as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but I took it as an opportunity for me to redesign it and right. to make it more intuitive. Yeah. It was very much a programmer UI. You know, there's programmer art and then there's programmer UI. Mm-hmm. And you just assume the workflows of your users. Uh, especially I was working in a vacuum to be completely honest. You know, I do this on my own. Right. I don't have this not open source or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, I do want to work toward that though. Um, so it, it just, you know, I, I, I designed things in a way that was intuitive to me, right. but not to somebody who's not tech savvy. Now, now in the case of GiftBot, you are also a consumer of GiftBot being a Twitch streamer. So, I am. I mean, so, you know, there's some legitimacy to your domain expertise there. Right. But the other thing is, is there's bias because I do know how it works. Right. And I, I inherently understand, well, if I press that button, this thing happens or, hey, I, I sort of kind of know there's a bug with this other thing. So I'm just going to casually brush over that. <laughs> um, 
It, whereas this time I actually had a test team. I had a team of 20 testers um, that were using the application um, and taking new releases as I pushed features uh, to give me that feedback. And I would drop by their streams while they were using it to help uh, diagnose issues, debug, or be like, you know, and it, it, because sometimes, especially if it's just another streamer, it's not a professional tester, mm-hmm. they're going to feel a little shy about saying, well, you know, I, I, I did something stupid. I'm like, you didn't do anything stupid. You, you did what you thought you were supposed to do with the application. What I need to know is how it could be done better. So show me what you did. And then let's see if this other workflow works better for you. Um, you know, some, uh, somebody, uh, forgot to put an exclamation point in front of a command name. And I realized that I had it locked down on the back end where it had to have one and her whole thing got hosed. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, cause it was just, uh, you know, assumed and you should never assume <laughs> anything and, and also never, never trust the user. Yeah. Well, it, but you did the most important thing was which you observe them using it. So they're not trying right. to explain to you or, you know, what you did wrong or what they did wrong. You watch them work their way through it and make, and the assumptions they make that are different than yours. I don't know of any substitute to that. Like it's such an amazing power to actually watch someone use an app. And then hopefully you're in the right headspace where it's like you're doing it wrong, <laughs> which is right. not a good headspace. It's like. No, that's actually, I would say that's poor engineering mm-hmm. um, to, to act that way towards your users or or even another engineer like if you're doing it wrong like no maybe maybe you wrote it incorrectly um sometimes like especially as as a tools engineer you have to eat a little bit of your own crap Mm -hmm. (laughs) you have to use your own applications to see what's wrong with it um and and be able to be humble enough to take feedback uh like because all anybody wants at the end of the day is is good helpful applications yeah absolutely and and it's so easy to to automatically get defensive about people utilizing your software rather than take the the feedback or take what you see for what it really is that everybody here is smart and they're doing the best they can with the information they had and you know presenting the information a different way would make a big difference yeah yeah and i mean i will fully admit there have been times when i've been uh you know uh somewhat hurt or put off by some of the feedback mm-hmm. for the bot. Uh, Do you but offer them their money back? <laughs> it's free. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, we know we've done that many times with Don and Ross. Somebody's angry at Don and Ross. It's like, would you like your money back? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. No, it's, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a very personal project. Yeah. You know, I work really hard on it. Uh, I, I have four cats and two kids and a very needy husband. <laughs> and so, I don't really have a lot of spare cycles. Um, I stream four times a week. So, uh, and I, you know, I stream the code uh, twice a week if I can get around to it, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not like this is my full-time job. Right, right. It's just a side gig. There's a lovely piece of recursion here of you streaming, working on code for streaming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, it, it's such a riot just to think through all of these different things and uh, and the way that it's going to play. But the the concept of migrating from WinForms to Blazor doesn't seem like a real thing in some respects. I mean, some of the metaphors are the same, but there's no code compatibility here, really, is there? 
Uh, no, no, not really. Not between, not with the UI. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, that's why I said I, I started to split out core functionality of the bot. Right. And, um, you know, the, the way that the data is modified on the back end away from the UI. So I essentially had, you know, a, a front end layer and, you know, the, the back end of the different libraries and use those libraries in the new application. But yeah, I still had to rewrite, um, you know, the way, the, the way that I'm interacting with Twitch, because again, I was, Oh God, the hacks that I put into the old bot, you know, I had to get rid of the hacks and do it the right way. Um, and I, I went into this project understanding I'm going to do things the right way. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hack anything in just for brevity's sake. Um, and, I do have to rewrite the UI. Now, that being um, said, you were on like V3 or V4 of uh, of Gitbot at that point, or Gifbot at that point, right? Like, Right, yes. I, I do appreciate that you, you get a different headspace about a tool you've made a few times. Like you're finding a place like, now I know where my pain points are. I, you know, and more importantly, <laughs> my other user pain points are. And you rethink the approach to it almost entirely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the workflows uh, are just completely different for the web. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I, you can do a lot of reactive things mm-hmm. uh, like warning pop up boxes, modal dialogues, uh, well, quote unquote dialogues, right. you know, that pop up in, in the browser and you can have these interactions. It's just they're constructed differently. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing I like to point out is is the wizard just for getting the bot set up. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I were to do a wizard with this, I think I have six screens on it. Uh, if I were to do that in WinForms or WPF, that would have been six different panels that were sh- like probably shown or hidden, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and driving the state of them individually and then trying to hide them somewhere on the screen. Um, it was very difficult to edit those things. Right. Uh, whereas this, it's basically, it's just a state machine and the HTML completely driven by, uh, you know, an enum flag. That was it. Yeah. Where are we in the um, wizard? Yeah, right. exactly. Show this, hide that as, and, and it was all visible in one long block of HTML to me, as opposed to, um, if I were to do this in WinForms, uh, what I had to do was move it off of the, the screen to the side so I could edit the one that was under mm-hmm. it. Right. And then move it back. It was just. <sighs> Uh, and again, there may have been better ways of doing it. I do primarily come from like client server background, yeah. not so much of a desktop application gal here. Um, but those were the struggles that I ran up against is if I needed to add something to those dialogues at all, it was like, it was just a major pain point for me. It is interesting to think about. I mean, modal dialogue is literally a 90s concept. And it, ne- yeah. and it doesn't go away. Right. But it's no. like, but you know, the new tools approach that very differently. Modal dialogue and smartphone, not a happy combination. Yeah, but they do work though. And and it's just yeah. that they're not really modal. They just look modal. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's mostly just to indicate to the user, you need to be doing this yeah. thing now. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your focal point. Um, you know, like it just to to help drive 
the user to, to enter data mm-hmm. in the correct way. Yeah. And the wizard metaphor is I'm giving you just as enough information to inform the next, next modal, the next screen. Right. Rather than throw it all up on one screen and have them fill it in and sort of make it twitch as they add it. You know, as somebody living in Canada, every time you go to fill in a shipping form and you have to, you, you know, you normally set, you have to set the country first for it to then go repopulate the state lists and that kind of twitchiness that comes from a single form approach to this. Right. Yeah. And I mean, again, it's meant to also be a tutorial to ensure that the user sets up things correctly because technically you need two Twitch accounts. Mm. Um, And that was always the confusion was you have one for a bot. So it's just like a a alternate account. So like I have fierce kittens bot Mm -hmm. um, and that's the one that listens to chat um, and and has the the pub sub to listen for specific events, like when people cheer bits and stuff. Right. It's a, like a Twitch currency. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to put in your own streamer account so that you can access things like your subscription list, because the bot can't access that. That's not the person who owns the channel. Right. Um, so you had to authenticate both of those to get full features uh, within GIFBot. Yeah. So, I mean, the wizard makes total sense for that walking through this. Okay. I know your main account. Now you're going to need another one <laughs> and then you're going to need these permissions and like step yep. by step by step. And so they, they do not only do the right things, do them in the right order. Yeah. And the more copy paste this long code from the Twitch website when you're done. Mm-hmm. And because now I can do the appropriate redirects and Twitch knows to give that information put it up in the URL and then redirect to localhost. Right. So that the, which is all that I had set up the bot to do. Um, and, and so now it just inherently takes that information and immediately persists it to the user settings and they don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So there's yep. no, uh, introduction of human error mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, don't don't let them copy it into the clipboard. It's already there for them. Just pass it along. Right. So .NET five, obviously, a lot of Blazor improvements. What's still on your wish list? Uh, j- mostly the the hot reloading. Yeah. Something <laughs> uh, that would help me debug. Yeah, it's really it, it keeps getting a little bit better with every rev, but it's still not like you know things just f- get fixed. Right, yeah. and I think you still have to download some sort of third party hackery in order to debug client side, um, which is very annoying. But, but I, I'm also I come from, you know, originally having to write MMO code on a server in a Linux box using Vim. So <laughs> right. <laughs> Notepad's great, guys. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, pain, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I I did grow up coding games during the Hellraiser era. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is the role of Blazor inside of of a gaming company or inside of uh, of building games? Ah, oh, if I told you that, I'd have to kill you. Uh-huh. She's um, working on Galaga. I'm too. just kidding. I don't have to. Get- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the. <laughs> Basically, the the way that we're using it is to present meaningful data on backend services that right. we have running uh, in the office, um, or uh, you know, 
I don't know how far he can go without getting into trouble, sure. but it, you know, it's, it's, uh, we have services that are running in the office and it would be nice to have visibility into those services. Yeah. So um, those services were written in C sharp. Yeah. Um, and so we can communicate directly with those services and display statuses and allow people to interact with them using the same libraries to do com- TCP IP communication. Nice. Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. So, so that, that's largely what it is, is it, it gave me, um, a, you know, visibility into a backend server that I wrote, uh, that's doing a ton of work. Um, but the only way to, for any normal person to look at it would have been to open log files yeah. and that way lies madness. Yeah. yeah just, you know, and, and, and a lot of wasted time. I mean, I've worked adjacent to the gaming industry for a long time and I'm very aware that there like are tools specialists who build applications sometimes in .NET for things that are going to be needed for games, like building out yeah. the music sets and, and organizing graphic libraries and all these sort of right, that's what services. I do actually yeah. for that's what I do for a living. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the tools team. Right. Um, but I have a, I have a deep rooted passion for improving the workflows of my coworkers sure. so that we can create very wonderful products. Um, I also get praise earlier. Usually if it's a game, you have to wait four or five years before it releases. Mm-hmm. So the gameplay people don't get to hear anything nice for a while. <laughs> <laughs> the nice thing about tooling is in a lot of ways, your peers are thanking you for good tooling. Yep. Yeah. So here's and a geek out it, story for you. I don't remember uh-oh. what year it was, but this company that does custom software for, um, for hardware, for, you know, the, not internet-based stuff, not anything like that, but they had this device and the only thing that they had uh, access to was like an, I don't know, an RS-232 port or something. And they wanted, they hired me to write a web server in VB6 as a VB6 app on a Windows 98 machine. Yeah. That was pain. Yeah. And I did yeah. it both ways I think, and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the worst thing I had to work on was there was a website for Dark Age Camelot probably back in like 2003, 2004. And uh, it literally ran on a box in a dude's office. Yeah. And we had to uh, run in and kick it in the mornings because the fan would cut <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> so literally just to give it a little nudge so that the fan would spin back up again. Yeah. In the most literal form, I would just go in and kick it when I got in in the morning if I couldn't it's hear like the, the fan. the engine on the African Because it would overheat. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Um, the idea of taking the cover off and putting a new fan in. Crazy talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was more like it was like a low budget thing. Yeah. Uh, the company didn't have really a big budget or care yeah. for uh, the community relations. And and, and the kick worked. <laughs> kind of like the furnace in A Christmas Story, right? Yeah. <laughs> you blabber raffin' freaks this lassle. We had, now this is going into the 80s, but the old MFM hard drives, the big ones, yeah. that, that's, that were that would spin down too. Yeah. Right. And so we had, uh-huh. we, and it was a good drive. It worked fine, but it had flat spots in the coil. And so sometimes when you powered up the machine, it wouldn't start. And the same thing, you could punch it in the right corner that would just make the disc spin enough that then it would spin up. 
I eventually took a lawnmower pull cord and connected it to the drive. So the front of the chassis had a little knob <laughs> and you literally flipped the machine on because that's back when the power switch was on the front. And then you pulled the pull cord like you were starting a lawnmower. Drive spun you up told that story on Mondays, I think. Years ago. Years yes, ago. Years, yeah. years ago. But that's it. That was a real drive and it really worked. It was, that was a 20 megabyte hard drive. It was good. It's no, there's not Goliath. There's not a giant hard drive. This is just a normal mm. five and a quarter inch full height. And you start it like a lot. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But I'm a hardware guy. I find that stuff fun. And I would have changed out the fan. <laughs> it's not as much fun to change out the fan, but that's just me, right? It's like, yep, cover off, find the fan, pull it out, get another one, go again. But if we had changed the fan, I wouldn't have that story to tell. Yes. So. Plus, it, it's also the, the the toe marks on the case over time. Like, it's just like, that's what character <laughs> looks like. Oh, man. Yeah. We could go uh, on. Plain beige. Plain, plain beige, beige PC cases are boring. Give me rubber sh tread marks on my cases. They have a life. Things have happened. <laughs> it's seen things. It's, it's seen things. It's been places. It was teleported to 2020 and back. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia, what's next for you? What's in your to-do box, your inbox? Oh, my goodness. I want lunch. Um, <laughs> no, as, as far as like, the bot goes, <laughs> um, I'm currently working on revamping the uh, animations editor uh, within the bot because tel I actually use, I heavily use Telerik's um, Blazor UI mm -hmm. components. Cool. Because why would I want to spend time writing something that they're already working on? Mm -hmm. Um, and they have a bunch of new controls and that have, or components rather, that have been added recently that change the way that I want to approach editing animations. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, I converted everything to .NET 5 last week uh, on Tuesday night, and we got it compiling and running, but I can't edit now. Oh. <laughs> oh. There's something broken, so I have to debug that tonight. It'll be yeah. fun. Well, George, it's been an absolute delight geeking out with you, and uh, thank you for talking to us. Thank you for having me. You bet. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a